The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. I am so, so happy that you're with us and also happy to share with you that, gosh, things are just going gangbusters for Main Street Vegan, and that means things are going gangbusters for veganism in general. Uh, Not only are we proud to have received a 2015 Vegan Media Outlet of the Year Award, but I just learned that our Google downloads are up 68% since last year. And that is 100% thanks to you and sharing our program with your friends and reposting our posts and giving us great reviews on iTunes. So thank you, thank you, thank you so very much for contributing to our outreach and to a saner and more compassionate world and all the ways that you do that. Um, I am here today actually with a guest sitting next to me, uh, and that's Dr. Carrie Sanders of the Four Leaf Guide to Vibrant Health. She was a guest back on August 12th. If you didn't catch that show, uh, Dr. Carrie Sanders and Jay Morris Hicks, uh, that show was called New Vegans and Plant-Based Health. They have a a fabulous quiz that uh, tells you how to get your health on. Hey, Carrie. Hey, it's great to be here. <laughs> well, it's wonderful to have you. Carrie and I were downtown shopping at Moose Shoes, buying some gorgeous non-leather boots. We each got a pair. She got more of a bargain than I did, but we both got some great shoes. And tonight we will be attending the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine Benefit at the Alexander Gregg Gallery in Chelsea in New York City. And then I will head over to the Vote Couture launch party for their new line of evening gowns. What a day, what a day. But you know the best part of this day? What is just about to happen, and that is this amazing episode. We're going to be bringing on, after the first break, Dr. Michael Greger with his groundbreaking book, How Not to Die. (laughs) And right now, we're going to be talking with Jane Land of a groundbreaking program called Veganuary. I was so surprised when I was looking on their website that Veganuary only started last year. 
And it's so famous. I thought it had been going on for five or six years. I knew it had started in the UK. It's a way to get people to go vegan when they're having all these New Year's resolutions thoughts. But amazingly, Veganuary has succeeded in helping people not only get over here, but stay over here. Welcome, Jane Land. Hello. Thank you, Victoria. Lovely words of yours. Well, it's so exciting. I mean, you guys are just setting the world on fire in the UK and other places as well. So tell us, what do you do and why does it work so well? So you just mentioned briefly that we we are an online campaign and we started in 2014. Um, why we think it works so well is um, that it's a, a month-long pledge. So um, some psychologists say that it takes three weeks to break those habits. So um, <laughs> we're helping people break those meaty habits in January, a time when people are choosing lifestyle choices, the uh, New Year's resolutions, they've eaten too much over Christmas and New Year. So we think it's a good time for people to give it a try. And we're also help holding people's hands virtually, if you like, um, and giving them all the support they need throughout the month. So that's emails with tips and advice. We've got online support. Um, our Facebook group is, is brilliant for people just to ask questions or they can contact us through the website as well. Um, and we, I think our, our attitude, um, a lot of people say that it's a really welcoming, friendly environment, um, very non-judgmental, and it's just a safe place for people to, to ask questions about veganism. <laughs> so is this what you do with all your time? Because I would imagine you must get thousands of questions. <laughs> We do, and thankfully we've got a lot of vegan support as well. It is just we are just a team of three, um, but our Facebook group we encourage we encourage experienced vegans to join um, and help help out others as well, just with, with the questions. Because yes, it's too much for us. Yeah. So veganuary dot com. That's the website, and I'll put yeah. all of this on, on the show notes. Then you've got. The Veganuary Facebook page, but then also the group. Those are separate, correct? That's right, yes. Okay, so we'll put all that information on. So you are looking not just for for new people who have some interest, but an experienced people to help out. So everybody, listen, help out. (laughs) You don't have to be in the UK. So you really do have remarkable results. Tell us how things went in 2015. Yeah, we actually had a four-fold increase in participant numbers. So it was 3,300 the first year, which surpassed our expectations because I had a, a bet with my the co-founder, Matthew, my partner, and he said that we'd only have, uh, he said we'd, we'd have a 1,000, and I said only a 100. So it was brilliant. And then last year we had, oh, sorry, this January just gone, we had 12,800 people take part, which was brilliant and this current January, we want to do the same thing again uh, on trajectory for 50,000 participants to take part. Good heavens. So what can <laughs> we do to help you get these 50,000 people? Well, as an online campaign, um, that's where we, we generate the most of um, the majority of our interest. So we're asking people just to share our message online, uh, social media, Facebook predominantly is where people come from last 
last year 60% of participants came from Facebook so share our messages uh, we've got some great challenge ones so challenge your friend challenge your mum your dad your co-worker um, and so and, and get and, and and be a voice for us um, online so you have a starter kit that's new this year what's that about so we've collated a lot of the information that people look for when they start their veganuary journey, if you like. Um, so in there, we've got shopping lists, meal plans, label reading guides, the top frequently asked myths, just to prepare people um, as much as possible to start on January the 1st. And so they feel more confident um, and it make, make the month easy and enjoyable for them. So do you have a way of tracking how many people stay with it? Or, or maybe some people stay with it to a degree? Or do people repeat for a second January? Do you know any of this? Yeah, we survey people at the end of January and six months on to see if they've stayed vegan um, and if they've done so six months on. We also have sent a survey out this year to ask people um are you doing it again um and we had a response of about a thousand people to say that yes we did it last year but we're going to do it again this year um roughly half of the participants who responded at the end of january said that they were going to stay vegan Um, it dropped slightly to 49 percent at the end of six months um but even of those that, that said that they weren't staying vegan, the majority all say that they're going to reduce the consumption of animal products, which is fantastic. It really is. And, and so often people look at this at all or nothing. But I saw one statistic that said anybody who's ever tried to do this statistically is very likely to, even if they leave it, eat fewer animal products going forward than had they never tried being vegan so it's all good yeah it totally makes sense doesn't it i mean you when you start you're doing something for a month you change the kind of meals that you eat and introduce more plant-based meals and then they become your habit and your your go-to easy easy meals for the evening i love it so why is it important to encourage friends and family to sign up to do this i think Doing it as a challenge or a pledge makes it, so in some ways, more acceptable for people. It's, it's, we say try vegan for the month. We hope people stay vegan, of course, but it's, it becomes much more um, accessible and friendly if we say just give it a try. So no one's feeling pressured to, to go straight away vegan and stay vegan. Um, and I think that also your friends and family, if you think about just doing it as a challenge rather than forever, they're more likely to give it a go. Well, I'm excited. It almost makes me wish I weren't vegan so that I could do it. (laughs) But I can at least join the Facebook group and let other people know about this. I know there are ways to volunteer and and donate. And all that is at veganuary.com on those Facebook pages, on Twitter, at WeAreVeganuary. Well, that's a way we can all be veganuary. We can all follow you there and say, We Are Veganuary. Thank you so much for doing this, Jane. Thanks to Matthew. I know I met you guys briefly at VegFest UK in the midst of all the noise and the hoopla, but it looked like you had one of the most popular booths, even though it was September and people weren't really thinking about January. 
It was. It was a very busy time. We met a lot of the participants as well who'd taken part in the, in last January, which was great. <laughs> well, that's very cool. And I think sometimes that when you can just say to somebody who hasn't really given this any thought, just try it, then it's more of a challenge and, and less intimidating. So you've really taken the intimidation out. Congratulations for making all these vegans and saving all these animals. Bless Thank your heart. You. <laughs> Thanks so much. We'll have everything up there on the show notes. Veganuary, everybody. It's coming right up. Thanks to Jane Land. And coming right up, right up in just a minute, you've been waiting for Dr. Michael Greger and how not to die. programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. 
If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody. I have a retraction. Even the New York Times sometimes does retractions. I accidentally called Dr. Carrie Graff, who is sitting next to me in my living room and who is the co-author of the Four Leaf Guide to Vibrant Health. I called her Dr. Carrie Saunders, who is another wonderful plant-based health person who lives out in Michigan. They are two separate people, so retraction duly noted. Oh, my gosh. I am so excited about having our next guest on and about his amazing book. This has really been the year of the plant-based health book. We had um, the Four-Leaf Guide to Vibrant Health, then we had Proteinaholic, which I absolutely adore. And now we have brand new, hot off the presses, from Michael Greger, MD. You know him from nutritionfacts.org. His co-author, Gene Stone, wonderful writer who's been a guest on the program, How Not to Die, Discover the Food Scientifically Proven to Prevent and Reverse Disease. Here's what I have to say about this book. I have been doing this for a really long time. I started eating this way before disco died. I thought I knew how to do it. I have changed my diet based on how not to die. And it's exciting and it's fun and it's fabulous. And I just plan to be around healthy until I'm really antiquated. Dr. Michael Greger, bless your heart for writing this book and welcome to the program. If all the book does is to let you yourself live a long, wonderful life, then it will have all been worth it. Well, it's stunning, and it reads like a novel. Okay, so I'm a little bit of a health book junkie, but I could not put this book down. It's a great big book because you insisted on having all 100 pages of resources so that nobody can say that that is just your opinion and you like animals. This all comes from the science. Why is that important? Well, I mean, how else can we make decisions as to best feed ourselves and our family, but by the best available balance of evidence? And, uh, I mean, that's, and that, so, I mean, this is evidence-based nutrition. Um, there's actually decades of remarkably consistent evidence as the best way to eat, and it's just really the, uh, you know, the food industry that tries to keep people confused. Um, but uh, the science is pretty clear, but nobody knows about the science. That's why I started NutritionFacts.org, and that's why I decided to write the book. Well, they're, they're both incredible. Anybody who is not subscribing to NutritionFacts.org, by all means, get over there and do that. You will get your very own 60-second video of some fabulous nutrition factoid straight from the scientific literature. But the book, this is the thing. Here's the deal with the book, guys, because, you know, I write books. I've been around the book business a long time. It is possible on rare occasions for a book to become a phenomenon. And when it does, the world changes. This book, How Not to Die, has that potential. Please, please buy this book for yourself, for your family, and to be part of this phenomenon that needs to be. Now, one of the cool things about this book 
is that it's really two books. And part one is How Not to Die from the 15 Major Killers of Everybody in the Western World. And part two is Dr. Greger's Daily Dozen of the foods and the practices that we need to be living. Now, I actually read the book backwards. I read part two first because I wanted to know all the great things that I could do before I read about the scary diseases. Of course, (laughs) even in the scary disease part, you tell us things to do. But let's do the show the way that I read the book. Let's start with the Daily Dozen. And I I will put the Daily Dozen on the show notes. I'm not going to put anything else from the book because I want you to buy it. But I will put Dr. Greger's Daily Dozen. So tell us, Dr. Michael Greger, about beans. Beans. What else? So, uh, beans. Um, uh, the benefits of beans are really one of the big takeaways, I think, from the book. Uh, sadly, 96% of Americans don't even reach the recommended minimum intake of three servings a week, but I'm actually more inclined to agree with the American Institute for Cancer Research's suggestion of three servings a day of legumes, which is beans, split peas, chickpeas, or lentils. So that's, we're talking every meal. And you say, wait a second, who eats beans for breakfast? Well, actually lots of people around the world do, from, uh, you know, baked beans and traditional English breakfasts to miso soup in Japan, Italy and uh, India type of uh, steamed lentil cake. Uh, yeah, legume intake, bottom line, may be the most important dietary predictor of survival in older people from around the world with about an 8% reduction in risk of premature death for every single ounce increase in daily intake. Well, that's pretty impressive. And what do you say to the people who say, I can't digest beans? Well, I mean, it's uh, to digest beans, you need, bac- you need bean-eating bacteria in your gut. How do you get them there? You eat beans. I mean, <laughs> you, I mean you foster the growth of the kind of bacteria... Um, that eats the kind of food you eat. And so if you want to foster healthy bacteria, fiber-eating bacteria, resistant starch-eating bacteria that produce all these wonderful compounds like short-chain fatty acids, which help control our appetite and help boost our immune system and mental health and all sorts of other things, we need to feed them the right food. And so then they will preferentially grow, and we'll have more of them in our colon, um, and so, uh, but there, for people eating a standard American diet who, who very rarely eat beans, it takes some time for that transition. So I encourage people, you know, look, you can start slow, um, uh, you know, add a spoon, uh, you know, have an open can of beans in the fridge, add a few spoonfuls to kind of any meal, um, until you can ramp it up, um, and, uh, follow my, uh, recommendations to be eating um, at least a half cup of beans every meal. And it doesn't have to be bean beans. You know, it could be hummus or bean dips or, uh, I mean, there's lots of ways to, uh, you know, lentil soup, lots of ways to get beans into one's daily diet. And I always find that these recommended servings are so puny. So if I'm going to eat beans, I eat a cup anyway. Super puny. I know. Yeah. No, I, I'm a, I was afraid that the Daily Dozen would look intimidating. It's like, oh, my God, how could I possibly eat that many servings of food? But then, I mean, you sit down, most of me, you know, so I say, okay, well, look at this salad. We just knocked out 12, you know, <laughs> you know, 12 check boxes on the, you know. So, uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. And so it's easy to, uh, to fit these, uh, fit all these servings in one's daily diet. But you got to put some work into it. Um, but that's why I got the list. Well, you have to put some work into it, and you have to do some chewing, 
and it takes some time. And one thing that I have found is that unless I'm traveling, when you know that power bar can be a helpful thing, there is just no room for the power bar. If I'm going to do your whole daily dozen, I am stuffed. Yeah, so, well, yeah, and that's intentional, right? I mean, it's kind of this crowding out phenomenon, right? If you choose the healthiest foods and you got to get all the healthiest foods in there, right? You got to eat the berries and the greens and the beans and all these wonderful things, and then you just don't got room for the junk. Um, and so, yeah, so that's another kind of beneficial effect of, uh, you know, using this kind of crowd out. And so then you don't feel like you're deprived. If anything, you're like, oh, I got I'm eating too much. Oh, yeah, there's there's plenty of food for sure. If anybody would like to ask a question of Dr. Greger, you can call 816-347-5519. And if you're listening to the podcast, as most of our listeners do, and you say, oh, I wish I'd know and I wanted to ask a question of Dr. Greger, fear not, he will be back on March 12th. He will have the entire hour So make a note, if you have a question for Dr. Greger, listen in live at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on March the 9th, and then you can call and ask a question. That number is 816-347-5519. Okay, Daily Dozen number two, berries. Berries. All right, I can do berries. Um, I uh, I make the case uh, for berries throughout uh, the book. Uh, they offer protection against cancer, uh, give a boost to the immune system, guard uh, for the liver and brain. For example, the Harvard researchers found that women who consumed at least one serving of blueberries and two servings of strawberries each week had slower rates of cognitive decline by as much as two and a half years so, I mean, it's, after, it's as if their brain was two and a half years younger um, compared uh, to those who did not eat regularly um, berries. And so these results suggest that simply eating a handful of berries every day, uh, you know, kind of one easy, delicious dietary tweak may sh- slow your brain's aging by more than two years. And so, you know, you get this just colorful, sweet, glorious little antioxidant powerhouse uh, American Cancer Society studying nearly 100,000 men and women found that those who ate the most berries appeared less likely to die from cardiovascular disease. You say, wait a second, tastes great and helps you live longer? That's what plant-based eating is all about. Well, again, as I said, it's changed me. And one of the things I had never had before were acai berries. Oh. And, and I get them unsweetened, you know, frozen, kind of mashed up. Mm-hmm. And put them in a smoothie. They're really good in a chocolate smoothie. Did you get the recipe I sent you for the Indian chocolate smoothie? I sent it to you in the regular mail. Indian chocolate? No, I didn't get it. Yes. Smoothie? Well, I sent it to you because it's all full of spices, which we're going to get to down the line in the daily nice dozen. Oh, heck, let's do spices now. I think two things, Michael, really affected me about your book. One thing was that I realized that if I were an omnivore and I read How Not to Die, I would walk away saying, I will never eat another piece of chicken. It seems that chicken is involved with everything that can go wrong with a body. Do you want to comment on that? Well, I mean, I think that's one of the surprising things that I learned when I was looking, uh, when I was doing research for both the website and the book is, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, you, uh, you know, the World Health Organization just came out with uh, this conclusion that, you know, processed meat 
uh, red meat, carcinogenic um, when it comes to uh, colon cancer. But, you know, there's this sense that, you know, white meat, um, you know, chicken fish is healthier than red meat. And in terms of heme iron, in terms of saturated fat intake, in terms of cardiovascular disease risk, I think that case can be made. But there are certain, and for colorectal cancer as well, but for other diseases like the blood cancers, for example, lymphomas, leukemias, actually the, uh, uh, the uh, rates are much higher for poultry compared to any other animal product, in fact, compared to any other food. And, the, and it, it appears to be, um, I mean, the lead, kind of the leading guess as to why that's the case is uh, these so-called zoonotic or animal-to-human viruses. There's these poultry viruses, these cancer-causing poultry viruses, rapidly cause tumors in chickens, but we didn't know if uh, they uh, caused uh, cancers in humans. But the reason we suspect this is because people that handle poultry have uh, significantly um, higher uh, levels. Of, uh, in fact, even like there's something called butcher's warts, where you actually people that handle uh, fresh meat actually develop these, these uh, viral warts. Um, uh, which is uh, consistent with uh, cancer viruses. And unlike other cancers, um, the, where the, there's these cooked meat carcinogens like heterocyclic amines where you more the, you more you cook it, the more carcinogenic it gets. The reverse is actually the case for chicken. So well-cooked chicken, um, when it comes to these blood cancers, is actually safer um, than uh, kind of medium-rare cooked chicken. And that would be consistent with this um, guess that it's these cancer-causing poultry viruses that are increasing, that are so increasing risk. For example, nine times the odds of pancreatic cancer um, uh, for uh, for uh, for chicken consumption. Um, uh, I mean, that's that's extraordinary. I mean, you know, other things can increase pancreatic cancer risk, like smoking. You smoke a pack a day for 50 years, maybe you double your risk for pancreatic cancer, but nine times the odds um, uh, for uh, for daily chicken consumption. And that was just um, for like 50 grams a day, which is like uh, half of a chicken breast uh, worth of poultry. And so, you know, it's those kind of, uh, it's that kind of data that, uh, you know, that really underscored um, the fact that, yes, you know, all meat doesn't have fiber, doesn't have the phytonutrients, doesn't have, you know, all kind of the list of good stuff, but know that there was actually, um, uh, it contained components that were, um, um, deleterious, not just because of kind of the opportunity cost of missing out on eating healthier foods. They were actively harming you rather than just kind of passively harming you. Mm, such information that people are not given. So that was one thing. That if I were an omnivore, that was would be my big takeaway. But since I'm a vegan, my biggest takeaway was spices. Oh, my gosh. I look at every meal what more spices can I put on there? Can I put cloves? Can I put ginger? Can I put my quarter teaspoon of turmeric? In fact, today when I was walking down to meet Dr. Graff downtown and I was in a hurry and it was quite a walk, I had to go into the Indian spice market to get some powdered mustard because if you put that on your broccoli, all that good sulforaphane becomes available in a way that it wouldn't have been before. Who knew this stuff until you wrote How Not to Die? <laughs> you are, you're an expert now. Well, I've read the book. Now I've ordered the audio. I want to memorize it. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, yeah, Seriously. Yeah. Okay, oh. I'm a fan. It's embarrassing. Tell us about <laughs> spices. Tell us about turmeric, your favorite, and then tell us about your second favorite, and then we have two callers. Um, well, you know, uh, 
you know, the, the point I make in the spice chapter is that we can use our senses to kind of pick out healthy foods. I mean, one of the reasons uh, there's kind of good biological reason we're attracted to vibrant colors in the produce aisle because the colors themselves are the antioxidants, like the lycopene in the tomato or the uh, beta carotene that makes the, the carrots orange or something. Uh, the colors are the antioxidants. And so you can walk down the, the grocery aisle and you can pick out the healthiest tomato just by looking at it, the darkest green bro- broccoli, the, the blackest blackberry. Well, the same thing um, can be said for many of the flavor compounds in herbs and spices are powerful antioxidants as well. So the flavor is actually the antioxidants. And so there's, I mean, there's these wonderful antioxidants called like rosmarinic acid or cuminol or thymol or gingerols. The flavors are the antioxidants. So you can use this knowledge to make the same kind of decisions at the grocery store. Uh, you know, I mean, you can see that red onions are healthier than white because of the red color. And then regular onions um, uh, have more antioxidants than like the mellower, milder, Vidalia-type sweeter onions because the, that flavor is actually something that's being bred out um, uh, for the American palate. But the, the flavor is actually uh, kind of the, the, the bitter, pungent compounds in cruciferous and onion family vegetables uh, may indeed be uh, responsible for their health benefits. So in general, um, uh, because intense colors and intense flavors can be signs of intense benefit for optimum health, we should choose both colorful and flavorful foods. And I go through the list of uh, some of the best data we have in terms of human studies um, uh, that have looked at various spices. And the most of the data we have, although there are some really interesting lemon balm and oregano studies, turmeric, there are now... Dozens of studies. There's about 5,000 articles on the benefits of turmeric, but most of them are kind of in vitro studies done kind of a petri dish or test tube. Um, but uh, now we have um, there's been about 50 clinical trials, five zero clinical trials that have tested curcumin against a variety, which is the the bright yellow component of turmeric, which is the yellow component of curry powder. Um, uh, so it's like, it's a spice that's got the best of both worlds, right? It's got the, it's got the color and the flavor. Um, and so there's these 50 trials that have looked at uh, uh, turmeric against autoimmune disease, um, anti-inflammation, ulcerative colitis, um, uh, uh, various cancers, colorectal cancer. Um, and I, I mean, it just, I, I was... I was just blown away by the amount of high-quality researchers out there. And I just kept thinking, why didn't I learn about this in medical school? And the answer is very clear, because a, a, a dose of turmeric, which is a, I encourage people to get a quarter teaspoon a day, I mean, it costs just a few pennies. You can buy it anywhere. No one's going to make billions of dollars off it. But if there was a drug that could do what turmeric does, some drug company may be making billions of dollars, and, uh, I mean, you know, all the insurers would be forced to pay for it. I mean, it was just, it would make stockholders very, very wealthy. But you're never going to hear about turmeric studies for the same reason you're never going to see an ad on TV for sweet potatoes or broccoli because there's just no profit margin. and No one's mm. going to make any money off it. But you and your family can profit even if the corporations don't. Yay, and that's why I sent you the Indian chocolate shake recipe. It's taken from Talia Lutzker's book, The Ayurvedic Vegan Kitchen. Uh, Talia was a guest on the show a couple of years ago. You can scroll down in the archives, anybody who wants to listen to that. But this is a chocolate shake that has uh, ginger, chili powder, um, cinnamon, 
clove. I mean, it's unbelievable. And because it has all these heating spices, you can make a cold smoothie like people think of as a summer breakfast. You can make it in the middle of the winter and go out and you're all warmed up. It's quite magical. You're making me hungry. Well, uh, find that recipe and just uh, buzz it up. So we've got a couple of callers. Elizabeth. Hey, Elizabeth. Welcome to the program. Hi, Victoria. How are you? I'm wonderful. Do you have a question for Dr. Greger? Yeah, I do have a question for Dr. Greger. I also wanted to say hi to you. We met um, last summer when you were at Watchung Books in Montclair, New Jersey. I'm the oh, one how who. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, my mom is the one who uh, got me into this stuff. And I, I still want to get your mom on the show because your mother went vegan when she was. Did you say eighty or advanced? She was eighty. Yeah, she was 82. She went vegan for health reasons, so she's she's more a whole food plant-based. I went whole food plant-based uh, with her partially. I became vegetarian, and then I I went vegan for the animals. Yeah. But, um, but she loves animals, too. Cool. <laughs> Anyhow, I, I wanted to um, ask uh, Dr. Greger a question. Hi, Dr. Greger. Hello, Elizabeth. How are you? Good, good, good. Good. Well, I'll try to make this quick, but first of all, I wanted to say I'm a big fan of yours. I watch your daily videos, and I just got your book yesterday. I pre-ordered it. I'm really enjoying it. I love the durian fruit story. I laughed my head (laughs) off at that. And I also love the cover, what looks like kale in the title. So I guess the message is eat kale so as not to die. Uh, That would be a good takeaway. Anyway, the question I have for you is about fish oil versus algae-based supplements. So just for like a a little background on where I'm coming from, before I went plant-based, my doctor recommended that I take about 3,000 milligrams of fish oil daily to help lower my total cholesterol, which was about 215, 220 at the time. And he wasn't overly worried because my um, ratios were good, but he still wanted me to get it down below 200. Then after I went on a whole foods and mostly plant-based diet, I, I, you know, little no oil, but I did have occasional fish or chicken and small amounts of cheese, which uh, thanks to um, Victoria, I was able to overcome that addiction. But anyhow, I continued on the fish oil, and my cholesterol went down to 165. I mean, it really dropped. My LDL went down to 95. My HDLs went down to 70. But then as I, you know, transitioned over to a completely vegan diet, I wanted to cut the fish oil out, but I was kind of afraid about what it would do to my um, cholesterol. So I tried going down slowly. I reduced my fish oil to 1,500 a day, and, I'm, you know, the idea was that I would go down to about 250, which is the amount you say we should, we could supplement with algal. The problem is at 1,500 milligrams of fish oil a day, my cholesterols went back up. Um, I saw in your book you said there's conflicting research regarding the benefits of fish oil um, supplementation. You you uh, referenced the DART and DART two trials, but um, so anyhow, what I want to know is this: Is there a one-to-one relationship between algal and fish oil? That is, is 250 milligrams of algal equivalent in efficacy to 250 milligrams of fish oil? Or, since you're cutting out the middleman, as you like to say, is the algae-based source more potent? And if it's not, is it safe for me to up my algal to 3,000 
if the 250 does not help reduce my cholesterol? And just in case you're going to tell me, I, I you know, he's, I to, he's, go ahead, I'm sorry. I think he's got it, uh, Elizabeth. Let's see what Dr. Greger has to say. Okay. Uh, so the okay. uh, the reason I continue to recommend that people uh, consider taking 200 milligrams of a law of uh, a contaminant free, a pollutant free, a long chain omega threes like EPA and DHA from algae sources, yeast sources, any kind of non fish source, is for um, brain cognitive health, for brain health, not for um, heart health. And uh, and uh, as you pointed out, um, uh, your physician may very well, when told you that. I've been following the best available data at the time, um, but now um, with the new uh, the meta-analysis in the Journal of the American Medical Association showing that there does not appear to be any benefit from uh, fish oil consumption, these long-chain omega-3s, or for fish consumption, for that matter, fatty fish consumption, in terms of preventive, primary prevention of heart disease, in terms of preventing one's first heart attack, or even what's called secondary prevention. So if you already have a heart attack, already have heart disease, trying to prevent a second heart attack or, or worsening a disease, in neither situation does uh, fish oil appear to help whatsoever. So in terms, so it, that, and that's what really matters. It doesn't matter what happens to your risk factor. I mean, the only reason we care what happens to your cholesterol uh, is because we are concerned about uh, the the what are called hard endpoints, so, you know, a, a cardiovascular disease um, event or death, and uh, fish oil does not appear to help. Um, and so uh, I would talk to your doctor about uh, eliminating the fish oil um, completely and uh, starting on the uh, algae-based um, DHA, but that's a completely separate issue, um, nothing to do with your cholesterol or heart health. So you think by lowering my fish oil had nothing to do with the fact that my cholesterol went back up? Oh, no, it might have changed your cholesterol. So um, high-dose fish oil can re reduce uh, triglycerides, um, which can affect your total cholesterol score. But again, I mean, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, it's, uh, you know, cholesterol is an intermediate risk factor, which we only care about because we care about heart, heart disease risk. And the fish oil, so it doesn't, so it only matters what it's doing to your cholesterol if it's actually going to reduce heart disease. And now, um, uh, the balance of data seems clear that it's not going to help. Um, and so uh, um, better to choose other methods of reducing cholesterol. And I talk about some of the booking, lots of soluble fiber foods and nuts and soy and on down the list. Um, but uh, the uh, but uh, um, uh, and I'm so glad you're concerned about heart disease. Number one killer, of both men and women. Um, but um, uh, unfortunately, the fish oil or fish consumption is, uh, does not appear to uh, help in that regard. Call us back okay. on May, May 9th, Elizabeth, and let us know how you're doing. I'm sorry? Thanks. I said call back on May 9th when Dr. Gregor is back and let us know how you're doing. Okay, will do. Thank you All so right. much. You're so welcome. Tammy, next caller. Hi, Hi how are you? Good. So good to hear you. Thank you. What's your question for the good doctor? Well, my question is um, looking at the benefits of a vegan diet over a vegetarian diet. I'm vegan myself, and I have lots of friends who are vegetarian, and sometimes they it sounds like they really want to take the plunge and go vegan, but something's holding them back. And sometimes I think it's that maybe it's just habit or sometimes that fear will come out over the nutritional piece of it. So I wondered if uh, maybe the doctor could talk about what are the benefits that they would reap from doing that, maybe some studies that could show... Um, I know a few struggle with cholesterol, for example. Uh, so anything that he could speak to 
um, as to making that jump and, and benefits that they would receive if they were to go in that direction. Uh, no, absolutely. That's a great question. I'm so glad uh, you uh, you brought that up. So I have, uh, and you know, everything I talk about, in the, pretty much everything I talk about in the book, I have videos about, so you can look online. Um, and so the uh, the video um, I would uh, point people to, or the section of the book I would point people to, um, is this uh, this important Swedish study um, uh, that was uh, published recently. Um, that looked at uh, over 100,000 men and women and found that those that drank the most milk had more fractures, had higher hip fracture rates, um, uh, higher rates of premature death, higher cancer rates, um, uh, more heart disease, um, and uh, and so this kind of dose-dependent higher rates of mortality in both men and women, higher fracture rates in women, more milk, more fractures. They think it's actually this... Um, what's called the lactose, which is a milk sugar, um, uh, which our bodies uh, have uh, difficulty detoxifying. Um, and so, I mean, that's, uh, and so that recently came out, caused a big fury, um, and it's really, um, uh, has, has raised some questions about the continued inclusion of, uh, of uh, dairy in the human diet. Um, in terms of uh, eggs, um, uh, probably the most uh, compelling uh, new evidence, of course, there's always the cholesterol issue, um, but uh, it's the choline. So um, uh, uh, eggs have something called phosphatidylcholine, which um, the gut bacteria of, of people that eat um, eggs and meat can turn into a substance called TMAO, trimethylamine oxide. Uh, you may have heard about this issue. There's these Cleveland Clinic researchers who show that if you eat a steak, if you eat carnitine, if you eat animal muscle, um, uh, your um, uh, the, the the gut bacteria of meat eaters can turn this into this toxic substance, trimethylamine, oxidized by the liver, cause all sorts of havoc throughout the body. But you know what was really lost in that message is the same team of researchers did the exact same thing not only with carnitine but with choline found predominantly in eggs. Um, it causes the same uh, same scenario. Whereas if you take a vegan, you feed them a steak, nothing happens. Um, you take a vegan, feed them eggs, presumably nothing happens because you don't get this TMAO because you don't haven't fostered the growth of these meat and egg eating bacteria, which create these toxic byproducts. Instead, you have if you're eating a healthy vegan diet. Uh, lots of fiber-eating bacteria, which produce these short-chain um, uh, fatty acids, which um, heal the gut and do all sorts of other wonderful things in the world. And so between the microbiome um, and the choline content of eggs, not to mention the cholesterol content, um, and the, um, uh, the increasing uh, concern we have about the uh, milk sugar, um, these are two kind of really compelling issues beyond the saturated fat intake. For example, dairy is the number one source of saturated fat in the country. But even people that choose skim products, uh, lower no-fat milk products, um, are still exposed to both milk protein and milk sugar, which, as I talk about in the book and on the website, can have adverse consequences. Of course, it's a matter of quantity, though. I mean, the difference between, you know, someone who is 100% vegan and someone who eats cheese once in a while um, is a lot closer than, you know, someone who's eating a standard American diet and is eating cheese once in a while. Um, so, I mean, it's a continuum. It's a spectrum. The more we can move towards getting more whole plant foods in our diet and less animal foods and junk foods and processed foods, the better. Um, and so, you know, people just don't want the vegan label 
um, then I mean that's uh, that's not what I care about. What I care about is the is the absolute quantity of consumption. Um, these are dose dependent effects, and so even getting people to cut back. Um, even if people say, oh, I can't even imagine life without X, ice cream or whatever. You say, okay, well, I mean, you know, save it for special occasions, save it for holidays. Great. Thank you. And thanks for your call, Tammy. Boy, we are down to our last three and a half minutes, and I'm going to save this last question for uh, Dr. Carrie Graff. What's your question? Well, Dr. Gregor, if uh, people eating the, are eating the horrible standard American diet, if they were only willing to make one change, what one change would have the biggest impact on their health? Oh, such a good question. Um, she went to medical school. Um, you know, uh, well, you know, I, it, perhaps it used to be uh, cutting out trans fats, but now that's basically being done for you by the food industry, um, thanks to uh, um, regulatory interventions um, from our government, uh, which was uh, a beautiful thing to see. Um, uh, but uh, now the trans fats are pretty much out of the, I'd probably, uh, I'd probably wipe out processed meats. So, I mean, I, the fact that someone would feed their kids something that has been identified as a definite human carcinogen, I mean, that's just, I mean, so no more lunch meats, no more uh, bacon, bacon, bologna, hot dogs, these, you know, turkey slices, chicken nuggets. It really has to, it should never be served in a school cafeteria. We should never give it to our kids. We should never be exposed to it. Um, so that would probably be number one. In terms of one thing I'd add to someone's diet, it would probably be cruciferous vegetables. Um, you know, greens are the absolute healthiest things on the on the planet. More nutrition per calorie than anything else. And cruciferous, in, in specifically, um, which we're talking, you know, uh, kale and collard greens, for example, um, has these wonderful compounds which create sulforaphane, um, which have the long list of benefits that I talk about in the book. Uh, I, again, if a drug could do it. We would all buy stock in it because we would all retire rich. Because I mean, the, the, the I mean, it has these pharmacological effects without the and only has good side effects. Wow! So, so that so those those are the two things I do: get rid of processed meat and uh, add greens to one's daily diet. Wonderful, thank you. Sounds terrific. And and just by talking about the greens and the crucifers, you brought up two more of the daily dozen. We're not going to be able to get through even the Daily Dozen, not to mention the 15 diseases. This is why God made March 9th, 2016, when Dr. Greger returns. The book is How Not to Die. Please buy it for your sake and everybody else's. Dr. Greger, final minute, last word. I can't wait to come back in May. Um, I encourage people March. to march. Did you say May? I thought March. I said March. It is March. If I said May, then I have to do another retraction. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope it's March. The earlier, the better. Um, I encourage people to uh, um, uh, to go to nutritionfacts.org um, and sign up uh, for free daily updates on the latest in evidence-based nutrition, new videos and articles every day, ad-free, everything's free, not selling anything, science-based public service, just a labor of love, and I'm honored to be able to do this service. Well, you do it so well. You also do it in a very entertaining fashion. You're, you're a brilliant physician and you're also a very compassionate and really funny guy. 
Thanks so much, Dr. Greger, for being our guest today. Thanks, uh, Carrie Graff, for being here with me. Thanks to Jane Land from Veganuary and all the great work that they are doing over there in the UK. Thanks to Unity Online Radio for being our wonderful network through which you get to listen to Main Street Vegan every week. Everybody who wants the details from this show, you want that Daily Dozen list, you want the URLs, Go to MainStreetVegan.net, click on podcast, and you'll see a little drop down. It'll say show notes, and all that will be there. Next week, December 16th, our big holiday, wonderful, fun, gift-worthy program. Please join us. In the meantime, God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. the saying a good deed is its own reward well moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward it will also reward you with vibrant health boundless energy an easy way to keep your weight where you want it and according to yogis and unity's co-founder charles fillmore even give a boost to your spiritual life on main street vegan the radio program named for the popular book Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. How often before even beginning have we declared something impossible? In our mind, we often picture ourselves as inadequate or consider a task too great to attain. Much of our success depends on the thoughts we hold in mind. Our experience depends even more on the persistence with which we affirm those thoughts. A wise person said, It's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the best, you very often get it. In unity, we believe in the power of words and thoughts held in mind. If you sincerely ask yourself, how do I really think things ought to be? You may be surprised at your answer. You are destined to do great works. Expect it and see the positive changes in your world. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Have you heard about Dr. Tom Shepard's new program on Unity Online Radio? Tom Shepard? Isn't he the Unity Magazine question and answer guy? Right. Well, they've actually turned him loose with a radio show, and I hear it's going to be pretty edgy. Edgy? Like what? 
guest panelists and students from Unity Institute and Seminary, topics like abortion, gay marriage, war and peace, environmental issues, Islamic fundamentalism, universal health care, religion and politics, current events. Yeah, but they'll all be Unity people, right? Dr. Tom and his students will talk about the hard questions facing all people today, sometimes joined by rabbis, priests, liberal and conservative ministers, Buddhist monks, Baha'is, Hindus. And he's going to interview them on the program? Better, he's going to introduce a controversial topic and let students and special guests go for it. This could get explosive. Does he have guys in black shirts standing by to break up the fights? (laughs) If I know Dr. Tom, he will keep it both friendly and spirited. Whoa, I gotta hear this. When and where? The program is called Let's Talk About It, and it's on every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio. So let's talk about it. Definitely, let's. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit. Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. 
Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm. 